Welcome to the PR Resolution Podcast. I'm your host, Stella Bales. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing experts in emerging areas of PR. We'll be taking those hot topics in public relations, dispelling any myths, breaking down the jargon, so you are completely clued up and ready to speak to your stakeholders by the time you reach the office. If you have any questions around the episode, please feel free to tweet me at Stella Bales. It's January, it's 2020, so you have a bonus episode. And oh, it is a good one this month. So any regular listeners of the show will know that I really do like to talk about how we measure public relations. It is a hot topic in the industry. I would say pretty much all of the end of year summaries and reports that I read, measurement was listed as the number one area of focus going into 2020, and it is for good reason. As an industry, we're still not being compared fairly to the rest of marketing, and that comes down to how we measure our work. Steve Waddington, I feel, hit the nail on the head in his industry review that went out on his blog last week, which is wads.co.uk, just in case you don't know it. He said that the issue lies in our inability to actually achieve value. Often we have to use proxies as measurement of success rather than key performance indicators that align to the organisation that we're working for. And if we work in PR, yeah, that's not a big surprise to us, but it's not how the rest of marketing are measuring their work. For us within the industry, sharing our knowledge um, and around measurement has improved. We are talking about it a lot more. Best cases are being shared a lot more. However, it tends to be confined within our industry. So even though that we are sharing best practices and metrics, It's mainly, on the whole, PR people talking to other PR people. So, for this episode, I really wanted to break that. So, I've stepped outside of public relations, and I'm interviewing probably the most knowledgeable person, I'm aware of anyway, in marketing measurement. And that's Russell McCarthy. So, Russell is an attribution expert. That means that he helps businesses attribute success, and that's often revenue too, to various lines of marketing. He's the founder of an organization called ringside.ai, which is a marketing data platform, but he's been helping businesses evaluate their marketing for years. He knows how marketing works on different levels, and then he helps those organizations distribute their budgets with the data and the knowledge that they need. He is the first to admit that he hasn't had experience in working in public relations, but through his work, he does see the impact of what earned media recommendation and true reputation can have on a business. And more importantly, how that can compare to other lines of marketing. And that's where it gets interesting in our conversation. Russell explains how attribution tracks customer journeys to understand how they interact with marketing. He explains how data can build that story and also how the different areas of marketing really fits into this journey. He also reveals a small change to cookie data length. This might not seem relevant to us, but it absolutely is. It's a small change that's coming in the next few weeks, but it's going to make a massive difference to various areas of marketing and how we measure it. Here's Russell. So most listeners will know that I love talking about PR measurement. (laughs) It's a topic that I enjoy talking to other people about. And today I'm pretty excited because I know that I'm going to be learning a lot. (laughs) 
I am, I am. Uh, because I'm joined by Russell McCaithy. Um, I saw Russell talk about attribution um, a couple of years, actually a few years ago now. Um, and in that talk, I did learn a lot. And it's been, this word, attribution, has been coming up a little bit more in PR and especially PR measurement uh, more recently in our industry. And I just wanted to explore exactly what it means. Now, as far as I understand, Russell, from my uh, time in digital marketing and when I first came across attribution was who won <laughs> in, in marketing? So, um, yeah, how can we attribute that success, whether it's sale, etc.? cetera? Um, now, we in public relations have always found that really, really difficult. But I just want to have a really good understanding of how other areas of marketing do this right now. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Um, so yeah, attribution has been a bit of a buzzword, mainly in digital marketing for the last sort of five to nine years. And what we've found is in a lot of other channels, there's been a key focus on understanding who won, as you said. Um, and that's typically because a lot of the analytics platforms that exist out there, Google Analytics being the most common globally, have last click attribution. So the last visit in a user's journey is going to get all the credit. And with channels such as PPC and affiliates, they tend to be at the end of the journey and therefore they benefit the most from that. And Google being historically a PPC company, there's no wonder why that is actually the main measurement that they've used. But to... What they've managed to do in, in Google Analytics is they've started talking a bit more about attribution and other vendors in that space have started to showcase the value of what attribution is to people and how they can get a better understanding of the full consumer journey. What I've been trying to talk to businesses about over the last few years is attribution isn't just the maths or just the understanding of that journey. Attribution allows businesses to understand the consumer better. And I'm not talking about the demographics of a person. I'm talking about what marketing activities influence a person's behavior and therefore their decision making, which is actually the thing that changes as that person navigates around this massive world of the internet that we've become accustomed to. The big issue that you have in PR is very similar to SEO in the sense of a lot of the activity that is done is either to raise brand awareness or brand propensity. So does the user know about the brand? Or they do know about the brand, but we're trying to get the brand higher up in their thinking. And then the other two things is product uh, awareness or product propensity. So you know of Apple, but did you know that they've got this $15,000 MacBook Pro that you can go and buy? Well, if you didn't, that's the the premise of that kind of article or piece of media and then product propensity well I know they've got an iPhone but which iPhone should I buy and should I buy an iPhone over uh, a Samsung Galaxy so there's all of those different types of activities and we need to have a better understanding of what activity a marketer can do to influence that behavior and that's what attribution should be the problem is that most people like talking about the maths or the models or just that their channel does this and it's bigger than a singular channel itself. I've learned a lot in just, what's that, two minutes? <laughs> I think we're done. No, we're not. This is great. Um, so just for some of our listeners who um, have started to use Google, Google Analytics, they've got access. Um, some people may have uh, started to look at 
people who have clicked on links that might be in coverage. Um, I know that some listeners are starting to uh, understand the power of their links in the coverage, which could affect natural search. So all of this, all of these areas are reasonably uh, new and emerging in PR measurement. What you're talking about is, and actually that, that's going, going back to my point, and that those two areas of measurement are great for certain verticals. So looking at clicks in an article, it needs to be like a Christmas gift guide where somebody wants to buy right then and they're more likely to see. But when you just use that example of increased brand awareness, if there's a link, it might not be useless to the reader. It may might not need to take an action or anything. So therefore that there's the numbers in Google Analytics are going to be quite disappointed, I imagine. So, so it's really, I guess, for the listeners to think about the types of organisations they're promoting um, when they're thinking about the types of measurement. It can't just be one size fits all. So what you just talked about there, you really need to be working with other areas of marketing before you can even consider something like this, right, for PR? Yeah, you definitely shouldn't, just as a general business, should never focus all of your effort on a singular marketing vertical and and recently I was advising a business that was 85% of their revenue came through paid social media and their Facebook account access got locked the day before Black Friday so um, (laughs) they were metaphorically and physically screwed Um, but luckily we got it back a few hours into Black Friday and they they made quite a bit of money which they're happy with but so everyone should be looking at how the different channels work together and if you've got an established PR approach and the way that you're doing things, you need to understand that a consumer doesn't think I'm engaging with PR right now, now I'm engaging <laughs> with Google. They go, I'm just going to do a Google search, then I'm going to go to this website, and then I'm going to do another search, and I'm ended up on this comparison website, and now I'm going to click this link. They're not thinking, I'm now in the PR channel, I'm now in the PPC channel. Only weird marketers like myself, and you, by the way, you're nodding, think like that. But the data shows it like that, and what we need to do is understand the influence that PR has on that user throughout that journey. Whether it's that they've actually clicked on that link of Peppa Pig, which is what I was buying recently for my niece, and now I'm able to be hit with remarketing because, yes, I engaged with gift guides for people who like Peppa Pig. Um, Outside of Christmas, I don't tend to buy that much Peppa Pig activity, so they will still be remarketing me for that after the fact. But during that journey, up until the fact I bought that item, that was an influencer on my behavior. And so as a marketer, we need to know how much influence that had if that person had five or six visits after that. Now, we've lived in a world where that data has been available to everyone for some time. In Google Analytics, in Adobe, and in other platforms out there, you're able to see that level of data and say, this is what the the value of that is. So what we want to do is firstly have an understanding of that users don't just convert in one session. They do come back multiple times. And the thing that happens at the end of the session is incredibly important, but actually isn't everything. So the things that happen further back where that person is engaged with PR, whether they've they've clicked on a link that has been built for SEO purposes, whether they've seen a display impression, all of those things have some influence on that person, positive or negative. It's not always positive. So what we need to do as marketers is one, just know that that exists. 
And then we can start to approach the concept of attribution with the right mindset, because it's not about saying, I'm going to pick a model in Google Analytics. That's very old hat now within the analytics community. Don't say that to us people in PR. Uh, You've just discovered Google Analytics, Russell. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it may have been out for sort of 12, 15 years. I never really... Um, but but the, the, the logic is that within PR, you've... The, the happiness has been you've got this placement on this fantastic website and that's the win. And then we know that that has influence over people. Um, and in the modern world, you need to start being able to pull the strings of the marketing department and say, actually, you wouldn't have got that sale if that person didn't discover us through what we're doing. So one of the first things is, if you do have those links from those publishers, you're able to say that, was that the first time that that person came to the website? Because that in a lot of cases, will be the first engagement that you have with that consumer. And therefore, that's an important thing that you can actually show to people is, actually, of all the new people that came to the website, this percentage came from the articles that we've placed on these sites. So just going to stop, um, just jump in quickly. So you said, um, let's talking to the marketing department, was that the first time um, somebody came to the website? That was, that's, the the a point in everything you've just said that I feel okay that's how I can start to build up a picture because when you were talking and you were saying that this data has been available for quite some time some people will know I'm not naturally analytical I've had to try very hard to, <laughs> to enter into the PR measurement world understand data um you know I'm very visual creative all of that all of that lovely stuff so what I would lo love to do is is there you know some kind of attribution model that can draw me a picture of a Person that will go over the hill and then down there and uh, that would be wonderful but in my head it's like okay really understanding into the data of maybe different tools if it's not just google analytics that seems like the tricky part but but having said that you just saying that one that one question you can ask the you know the data team the analysts within a marketing department was that the first time that they um arrived on the site because that's that question will then leading to other questions and build up this, the beginning of the picture, I guess, right? And, and that's very common what happens with attribution is that the answer to the first question actually makes you ask 50 others, which is what's what, one of the key things within analytics as an industry is that people talk about the tools being the answers to the questions, but actually the biggest issue that analytics has is headcount and skills. And it's probably the same in PR like you can have all the tools under the world but actually if you don't have a talented individual who understands the relationship between marketing and the business you don't actually get the answers that change the way you do things which is the goal for this and I'm saying this as I'm selling a technology company and what we work with brands to tell them that but actually if we don't have the people in-house that have started to change the way they think which is the first challenge here is actually going okay I understand that PR is not going to be at the end of the journey. So what questions could I ask to better understand the consumers out there to say, how many of those PPC brand visits that we actually got conversions on were influenced by PR? And influenced, we're not asking how much shit they were influenced, just were involved in those journeys. And does that change whether we get an article on newspaper A and newspaper B, which I'm not going to say any brands, but like it, you need to be able to understand, well, which ones have the biggest impact? And, and it's a lot of this is correlation. So just looking at the relationship between things, but that then starts to change the questions you ask. And once you start asking what we class as smarter questions, 
you can then start to to change what you're doing and approach different publications or different journalists in a, in a very different way and go, well, actually, what we found is when we write articles with this tone of voice or targeting this type of demographic, we get a better response. And I would imagine, and I don't know this firsthand, but that's the kind of stuff that journalists will go, oh, that's great insight into the impact that what we write is having on consumers. So you just mentioned there um, an example, uh, and I'm just trying to jump to a granular level for a minute because I, I love an example to be able to understand things. Um, was that the first time? So if people clicked on a link in a PR article, was that the first time they visited a website? Might be a silly question, but do you have to have a link in an article for, for this kind of uh, measurement and this understanding of customer journeys? So the answer today, and we're doing this in December 2019, um, just to be very clear, is there's a number of ways you can do this. So um, you can use cookies, which um, I'm not talking about the bakery kind, I'm talking about the stuff that sits behind a browser, to pass information between websites. So what you're able to do there is say that this person has... Uh, and. and Display platforms have been able to do this for years. So, if just a quick one yeah. for people who might not know what display platforms. Cool. Is. So, if you're on uh, a newspaper website or a uh, content-based website, and they have banners that are sitting on there that are advertising products or services of brands. Um, they're clickable, but actually what they're doing there is they're saying, you've seen this ad, and then if you go to that website after the fact, so say that we're selling, um, and I'm just going to use a massive company, so uh, it doesn't pick any favorites here, but let's go with Apple. If you're uh, Apple and you're trying to sell to consumers, you might be going on to uh, a, a tech website and advertising the new uh, iPhone. And the user doesn't click on that banner, but if they then visit the Apple website, uh, after any period of time, typically they look at, at, at within 30 days. If that person then comes to that website, they understand that that user was the same person who saw that ad on the tech content website. And then they're able to say that that person, if they then end up buying, was influenced in some way by that banner that being served. So that banner being served is called an impression. Um, and, and you can have multiple impressions and per person. And you track that person over multiple different domains. So the reason why I was very specific about the date today is that there is a number of regulations that are coming out and have already come out that influence the accuracy of the data involved. So if we focus just on Safari as a browser or iOS as a uh, an operating system, so anyone on an iPhone or anyone using Safari on a desktop, pretty large cross-section of the market. We're talking typically somewhere between 20 and 40% on normal products and then on high revenue products, it goes up in percentage by about 10%. What you are able to do is limited by something called ITP, which is Intelligent Tracking Prevention. We are currently today in two 2.2 version of that and what that does is that limits the cookies length so how long you're able to see that person within analytics within your DSP so your demand side platforms for display within majority of tools to seven days it is also in some cases down to one day and moving forward that will reduce significantly even further in February next year when 2.3 comes out Alongside this, Firefox has ETP, 
which is a very similar thing where they're going to be reducing the validity of cookies in capturing this. Now this is, and I'm gonna stop after this sentence, but it's JavaScript set cookies. There are a multitude of ways that you can deal with this, but cross domain cookies. So when you're passing information from one domain to another, like affiliates have to very often, like display activity has to, like if you were to build an impression led tracking solution, for PR, so someone who is seeing the article on that tech website and you're passing that information across, you are going to be very limited in the capabilities of that kind of understanding moving forward. And especially in February, when uh, I think it's February the 9th, uh, where the same site cookie uh, is going to be one of the things that Google is putting into Chrome. So all major browsers are going to be supporting some logic on better understanding or limiting the availability and usefulness of cookies to pass information across different websites. Okay, this sounds like it could be, I mean, absolutely huge for the advertising industry. Not could be, is going to be, from my understanding of how advertising works and how retargeting works, et cetera, et cetera, and tracking. Very, very interesting. Going back to PR quickly and thinking about that with the seven days, one day, Many PR articles, unless it is Christmas gift guide, because uh, it is Christmas, <laughs> in case you're listening to this another time, most articles, I would say, are evergreen to a certain extent. I mean, actually, that's that's a big, massive generalisation. Yeah. Um, so we probably wouldn't just get immediate clicks and uh, we would need to see exactly like how many people saw it on that day because people discover um, PR and earned media you know, later on and you would just totally be missing that. Having said that, it's uh, quite rare to be able to get that kind of data in, in PR measurement. Um, I believe there is a platform that offers something like that um so that's quite interesting to see that uh, what might happen after that um so going back this unless you're using that that software platform uh, and most i don't know if people how many people are but if people who are listening to this want to go and work with their the in-house marketing department to try and get around this kind of journey i imagine they will all be aware of this. Is this like a, a big sort of announcement in marketing world that people know about? Hardly anyone knows about it, even oh. in uh, like... You so, heard it here first. Yeah, it's, it's become, because it's progressive in the sense that when Safari was the big player in this and when ITP 2.1 came out, everyone's Google Analytics has dropped in performance and nobody knows. And I'm not talking about like nobody in PR, like nobody in analytics really knows. And I say nobody, like people do, but the majority of people using Google Analytics, it's not an announcement that's been made at all. When 2.2 dropped, it became less accurate again. Now, there's a number of things that Google are putting in place within GA um, to improve the accuracy of this. And it's, it's going to be an ongoing challenge between the analytics departments in-house or the paid media activity which uses analytics and especially cookie-based tracking we hopefully won't go to a cookie-less world which is the scary thing within data at the moment is that that's where safari's team kind of want the internet to go why is is, is it ethics lives i like to think that it's ethics involved in this after you know we've just had uh, certain tactics in general election targeting and for bad reasons is that just because that's in my head right now or you know what are the reasons for safari leading this it, cookie-less world it's it's less about ethics and more about user privacy so um 
like even if anything, ethics become worse in a cookie-less world. And I use the example uh, when I'm at conferences and I'm doing talks now that I stand up for, up, up the front with uh, a packet of baby nappies uh, or diapers if you're listening to this in the States. And uh, I ask anyone who's got a young child to put their hand up and then I close my eyes and throw it to the audience because that is what cookie-less world is going to be. Because right now you can target people who are prospective parents or uh, actual parents because we've built up an understanding of the user and it's it's a, an extreme visual of it, but actually the targeting options are going to be a, a lot less accurate and also the option to retarget people based on their behavior is going to become a lot less accurate. So uh, I'm obviously cynical because I sit on this side of the fence, but actually where we're moving towards is um, the inability and Google's own marketing department recently wrote a very well-worded blog post where they were stating that they know that they're going to be over-serving display ads to people. So you're going to see the same advert for the product. Potentially, you're going to see the advert for the product you've just bought, which that's the thing that annoys consumers. I mean, it annoys me. I'm a, a massive trainer slash sneaker fan. And um, if I, I don't mind. <laughs> Russell's wearing some lovely Nikes. Uh, are, they, are they blazers? Oh, no, no they're lows. <laughs> Oh, beautiful. Um, wish I hadn't put my shoes on now for this interview. Uh, anyway, um, I am looking at a pair of um, Air Max at the moment, and I am not going to buy in a store, even though I saw them in a store yesterday. I'm buying online in the hope that my retargeting understands that and it stops serving ads to me um, in a few days. When that doesn't happen, it annoys me as a consumer. I don't want to see those ads anymore. I've bought the product. Um, a cookie just world. I'm starting to, I thought I would be in support of, but I don't think I have. No, and, and that frustration, consumers have a, the issue with privacy. So they don't want their information to be used nefariously, which it is right now. There are many, many businesses out there that are sharing data. And, and this is what GDPR was designed designed to be is to stop the nefarious actions of businesses that are using taking advantage of that data. On the other side of this, you have the massive, massive data sources that Google, Facebook, Apple have access to that are utilized for their services. Now, the problem is, is that there is a halfway ground here between them but the problem is is that we probably have to go too far into the removal of data before we let some back in but the problem is as soon as you start saying we're going to let some back in people will use it for nefarious means and therefore we end up with the this policing system where we we are actually ruining the user experience of the internet. I don't know if it's just me, um, but I know that every time you go to a website, you have to click a cookie notice that technically doesn't actually do anything, which is also breaking the terms of GDPR. So just because you've got a box that says, I accept these cookies, is not what the GDPR was supposed to be about anyway. And we're living in this world that that's actually ruining the user's experience. You don't expect to have to do that on every different website you visit. And in a voice world, how are you going to do that? Are you going to, every time that you're trying to engage with a brand through any form of voice search, you, you should effectively be having to authenticate every time you use that as well. Nobody's really talking about that at the moment, but that's another scary thing where are you going to, every time you engage with that, going to have to say, I accept the cookie notice. Let's just 
that's not what we should be doing. As it would make for an interesting Alexa ad, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> hey, Alexa. No, wait. <laughs> yeah. I can't talk to you until you've accepted this cookie notice. Um, but but so this is where we can cross over here back into PR and say, actually, um, the data that a PR team should be using, you can get the, most of it out of GA, but the problem is, is you probably don't necessarily have either the skill sets internally or the manpower, the ability, um, or sometimes the technology. So GA doesn't do everything like it was designed to be the resource for masses. Um, and that's the reason why we created Ringside was to give marketers this bigger picture of the world to so they can understand actually what's going on with their marketing and frame it in a marketer's way. And that's the reason why we created it, because GA is fantastic, but it doesn't do everything. But you also need the people to use it. And this is why it's probably been quite alien to a lot of PRs, because it is that data thing. It's not intimidating to log into Google Analytics, and it's pretty good from a user experience perspective. Compared to other tools out there, it's, it's quite, it's quite friend, user-friendly. But actually what questions you should you be asking and how do you frame that in the context of what what impact that has to the business that's the scary thing for someone who's more creative this podcast is brought to you by coverage book the reporting tool that's made by pr people for pr people head to coveragebook.com for your free trial 100%. I mean, not just for people who are creative, but having, and you need to have that understanding of all areas of uh, digital marketing as well to know what questions. I mean, I went from uh, traditional PR agencies to digital marketing agency, but even just within that digital marketing agency, we focused on natural search and and paid ads in AdWords. And, and there's a whole lot more to digital marketing than just those areas. But it was it was really great learning for me for that for that particular area. So even with that experience, I don't believe that I'm in a position to be able to ask the right questions to really understand where the success was and understanding the full customer journey for some of my old clients. Um, so on that note, um, there you might not know this, but there are more um, analytical uh, types of roles in PR. So there are some agencies with data and analytics teams now. Ketchum has a great team. Shout out Nicole Morio in in New York who have uh, who are helping their clients measure PR better. But there, I I believe they are really just sort of going through lots of different tools. So Google Analytics is a big one for them. They use all sorts of different tool mix for their different clients. But it is coming from PR into marketing. I'm guessing it really needs to be somebody in within the brand, within in-house, who really understands exactly where the budget is going and, and what's happening here. Does it, or it's, or, or I guess you guys are external as well, aren't you? Yeah. So, I, I think the the key thing is what do you actually want to achieve with, as the output. So. Uh, this time of the year, people well, have been talking about budgets for a while, but you're looking at your budget for next year and you're saying, how much effort, how much budget, what headcount do I need to service the clients? Looking at what effort do we want to put into PR in 2020? And the, the key thing, that, the questions that you need to ask at that point is, okay, so what was the performance like historically? And how much are we going to give credit to the activity we did in 2019 and 2018 to PR? And that isn't a last-click performance in Google Analytics because I'll tell you right now, brand PPC, you should do more of it. You can't 
because the people who are searching for your brand are the people who are searching for your brand. You can't make people do that more than they already are. So, but you can do more PR. You can also do less PR. Let's not be too positive about <laughs> it. But, but the thing here is what, as a, as an external and internal, you, all you have is a view of what is reasonable and realistic in effort and understanding of what can be done within that organization. So an agency can be fantastically placed to answer that, but so can an in-house team. Um, and then it comes down to what are you actually going to class as success moving forward? So if you get that one placement on that headline newspaper is that the thing that you're going to go okay this campaign is a success if we get this placement or these 15 placements or these 150 placements if that's the definition of success then you can just use an excel spreadsheet you don't need anything advanced what i would push to do is go well actually understand what the business success looks like which will be revenue in most cases or a form of roas or, or return on investment as well but actually what does the business success look like because that will frame pr in a different light if you can start to align what you're doing to business success and if you can then start saying well actually this year we've done this and that impacted this in a different way that will open up different conversations with different people in that organization you'll get people in the finance team start believing in the value of PR which are probably the one team that will be the most alien to, to PR is because you can't actually ever truly say this is how much revenue PR has brought in mm. and historical measurements as you were sort of talking to me about and I've heard and I've kind of ignored in the past <laughs> um, were, were so wrong or so incorrect compared to what reality is like it's quite scary yeah we're talking about equivalent advertising for anyone who was unsure um, AVE also known as yeah that's, that's what we're referencing there. So with the kind of profiling and analysis that you've just talked about, again, coming from a PR team perspective, is this something that we could go to the marketing team um, and say, can we look back over the last year to get an idea of this customer journey? Or is this now something that from January, we start to build up this picture over the next year? I think there's, there's a ton of stuff you can do historically if you've got any analytics platform and you're asking those teams the right questions. So um, you can just look firstly at the relationship between the channels. You can even look at just the referrals that come into the website. So you can go, okay, I've got, I've got and I'm going to be very basic here, but I've got an Excel file of all of the placements we've made in 2019. And I'm going to look through all of the websites that have sent traffic to the, to the brand that you're working for. And you just do, and I'm just going to say VLOOKUP between those two, just an Excel formula to say, where the crossover is between those and then if you've got the data for 2018 you just compare it between those two years and you're going to start to see how often that happens um if you then speak to someone who is a little bit more au fait with google analytics you can actually do a lot more with that information once you've got that you can segment those users and find out if they've converted so there's a ton of things that is possible but it boils down to what your impetus is and what you actually want to get out of it and there's a there's a bunch of stuff that can happen there that feels like a really good first step actually because everything that we've talked about so far um does feel like a bit of a jump from from where we are at 
with, well, I say we, a lot of teams are at with measurement. Um, that feels like a great first step. And it's just being able to open up those conversations. So whoever is doing this kind of analysis in the marketing department can see, well, they've made a good first step. Um, where Here's a little bit more. I think the first step for a lot of people is to think, okay, what could I do? Then start thinking of the questions that you might want to answer and then speak to people who are a little bit more aware of what's possible in the analytics platforms that are out there. So you're then able to go, this is what we can fulfill questions-wise and what's very easy to do. And then at some point you can get a bit more advanced and, and at that point, whether it's that you want to use Google Analytics or you want to use Ringside, all of those options are out there to answer those more specific questions. But firstly, it's the first challenge in any form of attribution is to go, I'm not happy with the current status quo of anything, and I want to know more about consumer behavior. And I'm just taking myself back to, again, I always like an example. Uh, when I was working in the PR and SEO space um, and links were very important, I know that we were doing um, a, a, a certain set of reporting. So we'd have our coverage reports and then we'd look at links and then we'd look at positions and generally all around sort of the natural search place of reporting. Um, and I know that there was a time when I was working with retailers, we were trying to just edge into this space a little bit more and we were trying to find the right person who was leading this kind of measurement to see what kind of impact we were having on the overall business and sales for that retailer online. And I know that for one particular retail, quite a decent size retailer, they were happy that we were asking the right questions, but they also said, just wait there a little bit. We've got some bigger fish to fry, essentially. And I, I imagine that's because they were, they were spending so much on um, paid advertising and the they assumed that the... Um, the attribution of, uh, of PR was going to be really small in comparison to that. Is that just me having not very much confidence in what we, what we were doing as an, as an impact? Or is it, you know, what, that was, was that a bad assumption? Or do you think that that is the case with some of this kind of measurement? That's often the case is you've got to go where the money is. And for a lot of organisations, they spend millions if not hundreds of millions over a period of a year a few years on paid activity they need to see the return on investment for that versus spending tens or hundreds of thousands on PR or SEO activities over a similar period so their their effort and their impetus is going to be on where the majority of the money is but what we've found out as attribution has become more mainstream is the influence of the less expensive media is actually way bigger than what was previously thought to be the understanding because it's not at the end of the journey. And the activity that costs the majority of the money, whether that be PPC, whether that be display buys, where you had a, uh, a tracking system in place, so you were able to say that that person saw that ad, and then the things like commission rates in affiliates, all of these activities are costly and quite often feature at very specific points in the journey where the influence is calculable, whereas PR and SEO tends to be less calculable within that journey, but SEO still has a better data set available to it because the visits tend to happen. The joke with SEO is I've spent a lot of time over the last few years trying to tell SEOs that they're not very good at explaining how much revenue they make. So uh, we did a study for a number of e-commerce businesses a while ago that showed them that SEO is undervalued by 16% in organizations. So what you're saying is the revenue you're making is undervalued by 16%, which 
in a small company is a significant amount, but in a massive company, you could be talking millions here. And the important thing for those companies is to go, actually, oh, I'm going to stand up and pay attention to that number, but actually, what do I need to be asking? Because the output from any analytics should be, yes, there's some insight here, but what am I going to go and do about it? How am I going to change what happens tomorrow based on the information I have available to me today? And that's what we should be focusing on is, okay, it's all well and good going and getting these new reports for PR out of analytics in whatever form it is. But actually, how are you going to change what you do? It's not just knowing a new number. Is is that going to change your approach to PR moving forward? I feel like any kind of organisation that we're working with, uh, in PR, SEO, whatever kind of area, it's, I mean, even just me saying that, having this holistic view and being able to really work out a customer journey, we've just got to stop with the silos, really, haven't we? <laughs> it's just, ultimately, it's about the customer and different places they've been to and build, building that picture. Um on that, I feel like I can't wait to see more from you guys on Ringside if you ever do um, sort of, I don't know, have case studies in the future or something. I want to see a visual picture. Will I ever see a visual picture of a customer and where they might have been <laughs> rather than just numbers and graphs? Is that Would that be possible? For someone visual like me, that's what I want to see. So, um, yeah, the, there are ways to visualise customer journeys. The problem with that information that you can put out there is it's kind of bullshit and <laughs> I, I, I'm hoping I'll let to swear on the podcast because yeah. the the visualization of an individual is interesting purely for this person spent a ridiculous amount of money so they bought 15 products what drove them let's have a look at that customer to see if there's something we can learn about that individual but actually the value of information like this is in the masses and in in the aggregate so you can already visualize this customer journey. You can already do things like that. You can look at that in uh, GA. They've got a path report. You can do it in a little bit more detail with like user reporting. Um, and we've got ways to do this. And it's also good for noticing fraud in organizations as well. So you tag something as a fraudulent transaction and you can see how that person came to the website, what pages they viewed, all of the activity, how much you spent on them. There's a ton of stuff you can do to visualize that. On the other side of this, it's when you can start to go, what influences a change in a user behavior? That's the bit you can go and influence when it comes to, you go and sit in the office, you change bids in PPC, you approach different types of journalists with different content ideas. All of those things are the things that you can actually make a difference to changing what a consumer does when they're at that point in their buying process. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're helping people to do, but that's what you can do today and tomorrow in, in a number of other platforms as well. Yeah, it feels like this is such a good time to be talking about this. I know that um, January is a busy time for um, not just people in PR, everyone in marketing to be really locking down uh, strategies for the, the coming year. I think that just everything that I've learned in the last hour, it feels that we just need to be talking more, being more inquisitive, not worrying so much if we don't fully understand all data available to us or what 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 analytics processes our, our customers and our clients might be using. And um, it's just start having those conversations and then working with people. Completely. Like you shouldn't be scared of the numbers, 
because any talented analyst shouldn't necessarily just be giving you numbers. They should have a better understanding of everything around it. And then you can work with people like that to say, actually, how does this impact what I should be doing? And how does this impact the business? And what the biggest trait that you see in a, a successful marketer is they don't they understand outside of their wheelhouse. So they go, yes, I'm a really talented person in PR but actually understand the impact that PR has on the other channels and also what impact that has on consumers and therefore the bottom line the stuff that the CEO and and the board care about and how can I impact that better not just by data but just understanding what what we can do to impact that customer's change in behavior. I feel like I've learned so much and this is like it's probably been the, the most educational podcast interview for, for me personally anyway um, and probably just because I um, absolutely do want to see measurement move on in PR and it feels like that we can get there if we all carry on talking a little bit. Um, and on that note, Russell, um, where can people see or read more from you because you have been able to explain this in a lot clearer format than some other um, people who I, I know who have worked in this area for a long time so yeah where can we hear more from you guys so uh, i speak often at conferences all over the world um and i try to update my personal website with where i am uh, which is russellmccathy.com um ringside.ai is the platform that i'm co-founder of and then i'm the rusty bear on twitter where that's not just work chat but it's mainly nerdy things good great lovely thank you so much uh, really really have enjoyed this interview thank you thank you very much for having me This is the PR Resolution Podcast. Keep in touch by following me on Twitter, at Stella Bales. For more reading on PR, head to blog.coveragebook.com. Don't forget to tune in to the next episode and make sure you subscribe to the series on iTunes now. See you there.